the United States of America is called a Christian nation. Christian nation. Christian nation. It's time for a moment of clarity with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Let us pray that this nation does come to a moment of clarity. Faith, faith, faith. politics, politics, history, history, and current events. Current events. And now, your host, Pastor Rick. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily, but in the meantime, I am Derek Stone with a moment on sports, part one. Baseball Hall of Famer Joe Morgan passed away at the age of 77 this past Sunday from polyneuropathy. Morgan played second base for the Houston Colt 45s slash Astros, Cincinnati Reds, San Francisco Giants, Philadelphia Phillies, and Oakland Athletics between 1963 and 1984. The Baseball Hall of Famer recorded a 271 batting average, 268 home runs, 1,133 runs batted in, 5,742 putouts, and a 981 fielding percentage. As a member of the Reds, he won five Gold Glove Awards, two National League Most Valuable Player Awards, and two World Series Championships. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. And thank you, Derek. I would ask you about curling events in the area, but I know there are none. <laughs> right, yeah, it, it it's bare right now. Yeah, well... I can't wait for the curling season to uh, break down and break all the barriers and become a sport that doesn't get involved with social distancing. However, if you're going to social distance, curling is the best sport to get into. <laughs> just just a note. Um, got a long show today and the same amount of time to cover everything. As you know, we have been discussing socialism in this country and its effect an outreach to the churches today on how it's affecting the churches. A few weeks ago, our president signed an executive order banning special training in federal offices and services concerning uh, critical race theory. Folks, if you don't know what critical race theory is, I, I'll tell you now, there's much more than I could say in one hour to cover everything that is wrong with critical race theory. It's a, a in the end, it's a theory that promotes racism. And uh, our president did well by eliminating that from the educational systems of the federal offices. But it's still taught in the schools. It's still taught in the universities. And what's worse, it's taught in in some of our major churches today as, as the Christian thing to do. And it's the furthest thing in the world from the Christian thing to do. Christ, uh, critical race theory... Um, I'm just real quick background on it because uh, I, I stole I stole uh, Ed Bondarenka's guest from the earlier show. Um, he'll tell you that he gave him to me. So, uh, uh, Pastor Maman, how does it feel to know that you are now chattel that's either stolen or traded? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess if I'm, or if given. I'm considered valuable, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, we have Pastor Maman who, who uh, came over from Ed's show earlier and... I was listening to the show, and by the way, uh, I have to tell you, uh, I was shocked. It was a really good show today, Ed. Uh, you were listening <laughs> to my show? I was. Wow. Uh, you did a good job. Uh, I think it was your guest. But, yeah, it uh, was. Uh, and as I was listening, your guest brought up the fact that um, 
something I, that you know and Phil knows I was going to talk about today, critical race theory. And, of course, my ears perked up. And then he, he hit right where I really wanted to go is the impact that it's having on the churches today. Uh, and what I don't understand, and, and Pastor, I, we, we didn't get a chance to talk and really meet. I see in the church today that the major the major churches, the Catholic churches, the Lutheran churches, and I'm not picking on them, just because of the basis of their theology, they think it's their place to make the world a better place, not knowing the Bible says it's going to get worse and worse and worse, um, that through their theology, they, they actually have adopted socialism and therefore liberation theology in a lot of ways, and now they're grabbing a hold of critical race theory. My confusion, how, how would you explain it coming into the more conservative... Uh, post-trib, pre-mill, or I mean pre-mill, uh, pre-trib view. How, how do you grab a hold of, of these socialist theories? Well, I mean, I would say the, first, the, the, the railway is through the public schools, right? I mean, right. What's, what, they've been teaching critical race theory in the public schools in some form or format ever since the beginning. And so, you know, we always say, uh, Vody Bachman says, you know, if you send your kids to... Uh, Caesar to to be educated. Why are you surprised when they come back as Romans, right? I mean, right. <clears throat> so this is what's been happening, and so what's happening is now. Uh, and and critical race theory is very interesting because if you go back to its roots, and and you know we talked about this briefly, uh, back to the Frankfurt Institute, uh, it comes from a group of socialists, a group of Marxists who realized that the only way they could actually uh, bring America to communism or to socialism or to Marxism would be to create destabilization in the country. And the only way to really destabilize America would be through racial tensions. There's no other way to destabilize America. Uh, the only way they found the weak, the Achilles heel, if you will, would be through racial tensions. And so critical race theory is crafted specifically to try and create destabilization in America. Because you're never going to get America to accept Marxism if everybody's well-fed and happy and working at a job that they like and they have liberty. So the only way you can do is you've got to destabilize everything. You've got to create uh, emergencies like the coronavirus. You've got to create uh, problems. You've got to create all these issues and then uh, break down the economy, uh, break down, uh, have violence in the seas, and people are going to... And this is exactly what Hitler did, in a sense, uh, back yeah. in the uh, 30s, right? He said, look, if you just make me chancellor, I'll stop all these people beating up people and burning buildings. And he did, because they were his own people, right? <clears throat> uh, right. So... So I think that's how it's coming in. It's coming through the schools. It's been a, uh, back from John Dewey and Mueller, all these guys, if you go back right to the beginning, these guys are the guys who are like, so look, how do we create a society that is ideal, that will embrace socialism? And you've got to start at the young kids. In fact, um, some of them actually tried communes, of communistic communes, and they failed. And, and they realized that the reason they failed is because most Americans who went to these communes still had this notion of independence and liberty. And so the only way they said, the only we got to start at, at four, at four years old or five years. That's why you keep seeing people trying to do preschool and now preschool and all that. Why? Because they want to get that influence all the way at the beginning. You know, there was a time, and you don't see Phil's picture up there, but he's joined us. Uh, Phil, Phil and I met at a rally where I was speaking uh, in, in Lansing. And at that rally, and, and I think you were standing next to me, Phil, uh, when this lady came up to me, and she had two beautiful little children holding her hands, and my my lecture was on the First Amendment, and uh, did it really speak of separation of church and state? Was the idea of the conversation? And the lady came up to me, and she says, "You know what? 
what's wrong with our country today is they took prayer out of schools. And I said, well, that was terrible, but let me ask you a question. How often do you pray with your children at home before bed? And uh, uh, when they get up in the morning or after they get home from school, how often do you work with them with God? And she says, well, to be honest with you, we don't pray at home either. Uh, I think the reason I tell that story is we have fallen into this complacency where we're going to let the government do our thinking for us completely. If they're not going to do it in the schools, we're not going to do it at home. If they're going to teach them this, we're going to not correct them at home. So our parents have given up the responsibility of educating their ch children at home uh, just and, and have totally turned it over to a, a socialist organization called the public school system. And, and I think that's what I'm hearing you say. Is that correct, uh, Pastor? Absolutely. Absolutely. And what's interesting is, you know, so somebody came up to me and said, do you believe in prayer in public schools? And I said, no, I don't. And they were shocked. They said, you don't believe in prayer in public schools? I said, no, I don't. It's not that I don't believe in prayer in public schools. I don't believe in kids in public schools. <laughs> I don't I think like there that. should be anybody in public schools. <laughs> and then they're like, well, wait, wait, how are we going to witness? And I said, look, I don't send the rookies to fight the front battle. I want to send the seasoned. I'm not going to send my kids as fodder. If, I, if anyone goes to public right. school, it's going to be the teachers. I want Christians, Christian teachers in public schools, but I don't want Christian kids in public schools because they're not ready to face the battle, but the Christian parents and Christian teachers are. And my wife is a public school teacher. Of course, we uh, she she's taking a sabbatical while we homeschool our kids. So, so, <laughs> and then she'll go back uh, into the first, right? To the battlefield. Well, the, I have to the, ask this painful question. Now that she's a public school, was she did did she have to join a union? No, <laughs> she did not. He actually, <laughs> no, it was amazing. We she actually knew the union leader, uh, and she knew my 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 view on it. So she actually never did join the union. And of course, in California, we have the Christian uh, alternative to that too. So mm -hmm. people can join right. that instead. So. The demonstration um, so, of what you're saying is the is the university. When we send kids who have been in church all their lives, now they're even not even preschool or grade school, they supposedly have been raised Christian kids, and then they come out of the university as you know mindless zombies of the left. Before, well, more than that, a lot of a lot of Christian universities aren't Christian universities too. So even if they go to a Christian university, it's really dangerous. I mean, uh, we've, yeah. we've seen a lot of that, right? I've seen I've seen very very conservative theologically conservative and pastor I know you know what I'm talking about conservative yeah. theolo theology is not conservative politics it's it's a different thing yeah. kind of yeah. like being a conservative in law is different than being a conservative in republicanism as as we know um I've seen very conservative seminaries just get swept into liberal theology uh, it seems like overnight uh, I mean it's unbelievable on how quickly this this liberation theology, liberal theology, uh, throwing throwing the Bible out the window, uh, can hit even a seminary so quickly. Yeah, and so and and I, if you looked at my bio, you'll notice that this is very close to my heart because um, liberation theology basically says that Jesus came to save save people from oppression from other men. Now we do believe that Jesus did in his preaching uh, did allow for men to act godly and save other men from oppression, like slavery and all that. But right. you can't stop there. Jesus didn't come us to save us from oppression from other men only. He came us to save us from oppression from sin and from the wrath of God. So if you, if you 
what what the liberation theology people are doing is they're stopping it halfway. Now, what the churches are trying to do is, look, we can embrace that and let that move in. But the problem with critical race theory, it assumes that you are judged based on the color of your skin, not on the content of your character. So if you're white, you're automatically a racist, even though you may not have ever had a racist thought in your mind, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> it's... People need to know where critical, and, and you, you touched on it a little bit, and we talked yeah. about it before the show started. Critical race theory uh, in the churches is attached to liberation theology, as you said in Ned's show. But it actually comes from the same place critical law theory comes from. Right. It all comes from the same Marxist idea that is, it was a mixture of Karl Marx and and uh, Sigmund Freud. Uh, they kind of like juxtaposed the ideas and then clashed them together and came up with critical theory. And critical theory said, hey, if the sciences do not, uh, how do I say this, uh, emancipate society, then it, it, they are useless. And, and, and knowledge for the sake of knowledge is bad. So if you can't use the science to emancipate society, make society better, it's bad. And it actually even allows for you to throw scientific method out the window if yeah. it is more critical towards towards society. And we see that in stuff like uh, glo global warming, man-made global warming today. Yep. Yep. Uh, that that is that is a product of critical theory. People don't understand that is that they're taking science and they're redoing it so they can emancipate the social structure somehow, uh, even yeah, well, though they know it, it's wrong. And you hear this with Biden. We don't care about facts. We care about truth. Well, who's truth? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I mean, I, last I know, facts and truth were the same thing, right? Now, you know, you, you time together. But they're trying to separate this, and they're trying to make it. Again, um, one of, and the, I was going to say the other reason why it's close to my heart is because um, one of the aspects of critical race theory, uh, liberation theology, was uh, in the foundation of the World Council of Churches. And this is back in the 50s and the 60s. Um, and my father's brother, my uncle, my actual uncle, was the chairman of the World Council of Churches. So I come from a family of communists. Uh, my other uncle was a communist hunted by Nehru because Nehru was a socialist and he didn't want communists. And so, uh, you know, so we we have a. In fact, my, uh, the, I, I want to give an example of the discussion at my at the dinner table when I would go home to India for the summer. Uh, it would be whether uh, people should join the Communist Party of India or the Communist Party Marxist of India, because they were slightly different. And this would be huge arguments for hours about which party was better, but it was still which Communist Party they should join. And and this is the background of all this, all of this. And and you know, my my uncle, of course, is all part of that. So this is this whole part of it is: do we? Uh, it's all steeped in Marxism. It's all steeped right, right at the very basic level. Well, you know, I think. And, and, and Pastor, feel free to disagree with me. Ed, you're not allowed to disagree with me. <laughs> That's right. You can disagree with me. I think if you want to see a, a real attack on the World Council of Churches in the Bible, there's a prophet that did really well at attacking the World Council of Churches, Amos. Read Amos. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I should look you at want to see an attack not... on the World Council of Churches? There it is. Read, read, read the prophet Amos. And uh, I will. I will. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating thing. And by the way, uh, the, the, and, and I'm going to use this opportunity here to uh, push our new organization. Ed kind of led me into that. 
Uh, so we we wanted an alternative to Black Lives Matter, critical race theory and all the thing, damage they were doing. And the problem is if you go to somebody and you say all lives matter, if somebody's yelling Black Lives Matter, you say all lives matter, then what happens is you um, they call you a racist, right? Um, and if, in mm-hmm. fact, uh, and I have a friend who's co-founder of this organization, his name is Kevin McGarry, and he's he's black and he's called a white supremacist because <laughs> if he ever stated the same thing, it was contrary to that. So we said, look, how do we counteract this? And there's a Japanese art of called Aikido, and Aikido basically says, take the energy and effort of your opponent and redirect it in such a way that you protect the opponent and you protect yourself, so you don't harm anyone in the process. So we said, what is the best way of doing this? Well, the best way is to take their energy and redirect it. So we started an organization called Every Black Life Matters. And Every Black Life Matters, and the website is everyblm.org or everyblm.com. Uh, and and don't look for it on Google, because I don't think you'll find it on Google. You go to the BLM site. Uh, but if you go everyblm.org, uh, basically we our principles are <clears throat> um, real justice from womb to the tomb, active fatherhood, nuclear family, educational choice, non-violence, and of course, some criminal reform, because we have to admit there is some need for that, and uh, nuclear, well, they say nuclear, yeah, and, and, and our whole aspect there is that we want to embrace the gap and look for real solutions. So for instance, when I run into a BLM protester, um, and I've done this, uh, I will say, do you care about, do you really care about black lives? And they'll say, yes, of course we do. I say, well, do you care the fact that 30% of all African-Americans have been murdered in the womb? And they're like, you know, they're not sure. Um, I said, do you think those black lives matter? And they'll nod. And then I say, well, do you care about the black lives in the inner city? You know that 73% of all African-Americans are born without fathers are are in fathers' homes because of the welfare, the way the welfare state, the socialist welfare state has organized that and pushed the father out of their home. Do you think those black lives matter? And then I say, well, do you care about education? I mean, look at these inner city kids. They're in bad schools. They can't choose to go to a better school. Their schools are full of drugs, gangs, and violence, and they're not getting out without any education. And they're getting out without any education, and they don't have opportunities. Do you care about those black lives? And then they'll nod. And then I say, well, then you believe the same thing. We want solutions. These are the solutions. Burning people, <laughs> Marxism is not, you know, burning down buildings is not going to solve the problem. But these are the solutions. Come on over to our side, and I usually give them like a badge or something, and they usually put them on. You know, I um. There's a church uh, in, in a small city near us in Tecumseh. Every week, their prisoners are out there with um, their anti-Trump BLM signs and everything else. And what surprised me, a lot of BLM signs out there, and uh, not one black person in that church, not yep. one, apparently <laughs> is out there marching. And I, and they, they've held up signs in the past, what would Jesus do, or what does the Bible say about this? And, and when, when they ask me that question, what does the Bible say about this, I'll pull over and have that discussion with them. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I, 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 the last time I went by, uh, uh, the, when they had the, what does the Bible say about this, it was about, should nations have borders? What does the Bible say about it? And they were an anti-border. And I know the Bible says a lot about God making right. borders. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but this time I went over and I started talking to him about Black Lives Matter. And I tried the same approach as you. And I tried to take a biblical stance to it. And uh, they just called me a racist. And, and that was all. I they, they throw that term out. And this is part of the critical race theory. If you hit them with logic, if you hit them with something that makes them think, and is this biblical, and they can't answer it, their answer is, you're racist. Right. right. That's an automatic response. Yeah. So that's, 
Well, you're, you're talking about these churches, you know, you see them with the rainbow banners, especially take a walk through Ypsilanti, they get the rainbow banners, the signs that say science is real, as if, you know, that was a question, or, you know, BLM symbols, BLM flags, and so they're, they're you know that they're, they're gay and lesbian uh, pastor, what they're preaching, and when we were having our Bible study Thursday night, we took up the book of Jude. We didn't get very far at all, and we ran into the fourth verse. It says, uh, for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you see these churches that are promoting these values of what we consider lasciviousness, you know, gay rights, open sex, whatever, well, here the book of Jude is condemning that outright. And, and, and that church you're talking about, Nipsey, if it's the same one I'm talking about, where it has the sign up, more than one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually talked to that pastor, and, and pastor, you're going to get a kick out of it. I actually, and it has to do with this topic. I asked him. I said, I I believe science is real too. I really do. I think God created science, and therefore it has to be real. <laughs> you know, the science is of of the natural. I says, but. Pastor, what is your view? And I'm not talking to you, Pastor Mammon. I'm yeah, talking yeah, yeah. to the pastor at this church. I said, Pastor, where do you get your science from? Do you get it from critical theory? And he says, what do you know about critical theory? Oh, <laughs> I says, I know a lot about it. He says, well, it's important that we take look at science through critical theory. I said, no. Because oh. critical theory allows you to change science as long as you are, as long as you're emancipating, and I'm using Marx's word there, emancipating right, right. society. And uh, I said, that's, that's pure Marxism. Do you understand Agent, that? Agent X does not work with a variable science. Is that correct? <laughs> so he's talking about my book. I, I wrote a book called yeah. Who is Agent X? Proving God Exists now, Without Using the Bible. So that, I need to sometime, uh, Pastor, you and I need to sit down because I heard you also talking about how you approach discussion of things like uh, uh, abortion. You and I are on the same page there. I, when I talk to people about abortion, I do not open my Bible. And, and the reason, when I open up my Bible, I says, you're trying to force your religion on me. And, and right. therefore, if I try to talk to them about abortion, they just see me, see that as, as a religion, religious concept, so to speak. And yeah. so I take it strictly from a moral and ethical point of view. And if you take it from a moral and ethical point of view, the only book I open up when I discuss abortion with someone I, I ask them to please let me talk about my faith at the end of the conversation. Right. But the only book I open up, and I, I try to find it on my bookshelf, uh, it's, a, it's a book I got from the Michigan Medical Library on etymology. And you open it up, and it just tells you what an embryo is. It's a human being in the earliest form right. of development, right? A human yep. being. So if it's a human being, it automatically needs to be provided human rights. Absolutely, and and, and, and that's where and I start my you, conversion. You and you and the way I say is, I say you you got to argue about uh, if it if it isn't human, you got to tell me why it isn't human, right? And what what makes it not a human? Uh, because you know, uh, there's a great speaker called Scott Klusendorf, and he talks about the sled. If you ever want to talk about abortion, get Scott on. Uh, he talks about the sled, which is size, level of development, environment, and degree right. of dependency, um, and right. these four things don't make somebody not human and you go through all those and you realize okay so what makes a person a human right and 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 then the best way to do it is okay look you're the one who wants to kill it so if you want to kill something it's your job to prove it's not human not my job to prove it is human.
more with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering on Wham. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily, but in the meantime, once again, I am Derek Stone with another Moment on Sports. October 21st marks the 40th anniversary of the Philadelphia Phillies winning their first World Series championship after defeating the Kansas City Royals 4-1 in Game 6. World Series Most Valuable Player Mike Schmidt drove in two runs, left fielder Lonnie Smith scored two runs, and Steve Carlton allowed one run on four hits and struck out seven batters in seven innings of work to lead the Phillies. Schmidt singled to plate Smith and Bob Boone in the third inning. Two innings later, the Philadelphia left fielder scored his other run on a ground out by Bake McBride. The Royals loaded the bases with one out in the ninth inning, but Phillies closer Tug McGraw was able to induce a flyout and a strikeout to end the game. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. We're talking about critical race theory here, and I think we can get all technical about critical race theory, where it came from and everything else. Let me tell you some of the things that you have to do if you grab a hold of critical race theory. And maybe it'll help you understand the problems with it. And then I will give you the counter of that um, that view. So if you accept critical race theory, you first of all, you have to group people by race. You have to. Then you have to assume race is always a factor, no matter what. Race is always a factor. If you believe in critical race theory and you are part of the uh, part of the majority race, you are racist until proven innocent. And by the way, you can never be proven innocent. Uh, some races are automatically racist. That's why I said if you're white, you're, you're racist until proven innocent. But if you're white, you cannot be proven innocent. Uh, some races are automatically racist. Um, if you believe in uh, <laughs> critical race theory and someone disagrees with you, you must either condemn them, call them out, or cancel them. You heard of the cancel culture. Uh, another way of dealing with it is public shaming. And uh, that's very common. Just trying to public shame them. We see that all the time in politics today. We actually seen that started in, in some of the hearings of, of the current uh, uh, nominee for the Supreme Court. Ah, here's another one. They have different rules for different races. That right there should tell you there's a problem with it in basis of our constitution. Our constitution says we are all to be treated equal under the law. With CRT, with critical race theory, you have to treat different, have different rules, different laws for different races. And the last thing you have to believe in is intentions don't matter. Someone can be doing something for the absolute right intention, but if they are white and they're not, or they're part of the, the ruling race, regardless of their intentions, they're wrong. That is, in a nutshell, some of the big problems with critical race theory. Uh, to, to the people I have joining us today, we have Pastor Mammon from California, uh, and we have Phil from Abolitionist Roundtable. We got Ed Bondarenka. Um, the name of your show, uh, man, does your show even have a name, Ed? All right, I'm not hearing you, Ed, but that's, oh, that's good. because I was muted. Your American heritage. <laughs> your American heritage. Camp, folks, join us. You can see famous guests like Neil Mammon. 
before they get stolen for this show, whatever its name is. <laughs> <laughs> and we have Pastor Mumman. Um So uh, any comments, Pastor, any comments on what I just, did I pretty much nutshell CRT? Yeah, you 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 hit it. You hit the nail on the head, or as I call it, the head on the nail. But uh, but basically, uh, the if you think about what you just said and, and Christianity, they are diametrically opposed. I mean, right. it's got nothing. It, it's just a contradiction of everything that the Bible teaches. Absolutely, uh, you know, and that's when people tell me. And uh, and this is a big point I keep making in our discussions on socialism. Socialism demands that you treat people unequally with the hopes that they will become equal. Whereas Christianity says, no, you treat everyone equal. You show favoritism to no one. You don't show favoritism to the poor. You don't show favoritism to the rich. You treat everyone equally. And that's with Absolutely. love, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other thing about socialism does is it messes up the whole aspect. It ignores the sin nature of man. I mean, socialism basically says that everyone will work as hard as they can and only take what they need. Right. right, but the sin nature of man, greed, gluttony, selfishness—you know—all those things. Flip that around. Everybody doesn't work as much as they can. They take as much as they can, and then yeah. and, you know, and then they don't work as little as they need. Right. You so make a very happens. good point on here, uh, and the the idea behind socialism is that if you do it properly, the inherent goodness of man will allow you to create a man-made utopia, right. whereas Christianity says, ah. <laughs> Uh, you put it in the hands of man, they're going to mess it up. And, and we've right. seen socialism time and time attempted, again, attempted. Shall I remind people listening out there, Adolf Hitler belonged to the Socialist Party, the National Socialist Party, the Kremlin under Stalin and Lenin, where hundreds of millions of people under socialism were murdered in, in this world today. Stalin and Lenin murdered a lot of people in the name of socialism to create their man-made utopia. Uh, Mao Zedong, same thing. Anytime socialism, and don't say that was communism because communism has never been achieved. Communism is just socialism. It's socialism. I was going to try to think of something clever. Unattained, unattained socialism. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, so you're saying that you're talking about all these these socialists. It's you know like Mao Zedong and and you know you know the the communists. It's just never been done right. That's all. I'm sorry. Wait, that was before the big flip. You know that was before the big flip. Before <laughs> you know one side became the other side, just like you know, the Democrats and the Republicans. But if if the if man, like the socialists say, the man uh, uh, his nature starts out good and gets corrupted, then how does he have this inherent white privilege that's so detrimental to him. Man, I want you to keep your logic in your corner with your mic turned off. Don't try to confuse us mute. with facts. I'm mute. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's, here's the other thing I think it's also important to remember is that there's never, you know, they talk about us being fascists, we're on the right and them being on the left and they're the socialists and to one extreme is communism, the other extreme is fascism. But if you look at history, you'll see there's never been a fascist who was not a socialist. I mean, right. uh, 
Uh, Saddam Hussein was, a, I mean, Hitler was a socialist, obviously. Saddam Hussein was a socialist. The man who created the term fascism, Mussolini, was a socialist. Uh, uh, Jamal Abdel Nasser was a, was a uh, fascist and a socialist. In fact, every single military ruler that is a dictator is also a socialist. Why? Because you can't keep the masses under control without promising them something. You know, you promise them this, you promise them that. It's all socialism. In fact, the, every throughout history, every single fascist has been a socialist. Even Caesar was a fascist and was a socialist because he would give time. people all these different things, right? So, and 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 so we realize that this whole term, there is no left or right. There's either, as Ronald Reagan says, there's down to dependency and tyranny or up to liberty. Those are the only two aspects. And don't tell us we're on the right or left. We're not on the right or left. We're up. You guys are down. You want government control. And let me ask you this. And I say this to people who want critical race theory and they want the government to do all this. I say, when have minorities ever fared well under the government? Throughout the history of, my, the, of, of the nation, the only time the minorities have fared well under government is when they were the government. Like in, in Saddam Hussein's, you know, the, the Sunnis were, uh, were actually a minority, but they controlled the government, right? So that's the only time. So every other time in history, the minority has suffered greatly under the government. Why do you want to trust the government now? Because let's say it changes, things will change. And suddenly you're not the minority anymore. I mean, you're not in power anymore. Guess what? They're going to come after you because that's what results in the genocides we've seen all over the world. You don't want the government having any more power than you than it needs. And that is the least amount of power you can do to just protect your rights. You know, I had a guest on uh, a few weeks ago, Carrie Smith, who used to be a social justice warrior. And she gave that up, realized that social justice was a false religion and uh, gave it up. And, and she found the Lord, by the way, Pastor. So we can give an amen to that. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's uh, and, and she she made the point and I found it actually quite profound is we look at socialism as an equalization of of finances. In reality, it's not a redistribution of wealth. It's a redistribution of power. And that's all they're looking for is a redistribution of power. It's never really about the money. It's always about the power. And uh, you think about that. This world, I think everyone in this, in our, in our, Conversation here today on on my Zoom screen or my uh, whatever branch I'm using here. Uh, <laughs> it, we can all agree that uh, socialism is bad, and yet we live. You live in California, uh, Pastor. I'm in Ann Arbor, which is California on steroids, <laughs> and <laughs> um, and try to convince someone that people are not inherently good that people inherently will do, if given that power, will do evil with it. I mean, if I was to take the argument, I used to say I was a classical, a classical liberal. Yeah. Less government, right? Yeah. <laughs> Less government, uh, smaller government. That's what uh, uh, Jefferson stood for. He was against mm -hmm. the Federalists, right? Yeah, yeah, And they yeah. called him a liberal. I classical liberal in that sense. I believe that government should be less and freedoms should be more. And and if you want ultimate freedom, let me introduce you to Jesus. And then you get ultimate freedom. Uh, we have a caller on the line speaking about praying that people will come to the Lord. How you doing, Gary? Hey, Pastor Rick. I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Uh, what I'd like to speak on is what uh, the guest pastor was talking about in the last show, your heritage 
by Rick nice uh, try. Don Bondarinko <laughs> or whatever his name is. Sorry. We'll talk, but, uh, Gary, later. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, but you mentioned Black Lives Matter were um, witches. They, they, and uh, I'd like to expand that uh, they, by their own voice, they said it themselves. The woman colors says that what she does is she goes to the site where the blood was spilled, and she does incantations and puts libations on the ground, and then she uses the uh, chanting of the name, say the name over and over again, so the spirit will actually come into her, and then she uses the power of that spirit to influence things, and then she says, her words are, that then she owes loyalty to that spirit. And now there's there's blood rights in there, there's possession in there, there's necromancy in there, all the things that Christians are against. And we see, like Ed said, um, all the churches in town have Black Lives Matter all over their walls, so they don't understand the forces they, they're playing with. Absolutely, and it's it's yeah, it's it's dangerous when you start playing with demons. They can take over you. They can possess you. They can control you, and they can uh, oppress uh, even non Christians in the area too. I mean, even mm -hmm. believers in the area. Yeah, uh, and and that's one of these days we'll have to have a, a conversation. We did it a few years ago about t talking about demon oppression and possession. It's real, folks, and uh, we can see it. But if you look at the way they deal with Black Lives Matter. The way they deal with socialism, the way they deal with social justice, the way they deal with everything. These are all false religions. They're all false religions. And guess what? None of those religions offer grace. Not a one yep. of them. There is no grace in social justice. There is no grace in Black Lives Matter. There is no grace in critical race theory, socialism. Um, sorry, sorry, Gary. There, there's no grace in atheism. You know, um, <laughs> these are all belief systems that in the end offer no Grace, no redemption. And what's even worse is they are, some of them, like Black Lives Matter and even socialism, start borrowing from the occult. And then we have churches, and this is my biggest pain, then we have churches that adopt in these practices within their own walls. So very good point, Gary. Thank you. Anything else, Pastor, you want to say on that? Call? No, I think uh, I, I, you mentioned about it infiltrating the churches, and I think that's a very... I think it's something we have to watch out for because it infiltrates. I mean, we have to understand many people that, yeah, we want, we care about African-Americans. We care about the black plight. We, I mean, there is black plight. You can look at yeah. it and you can see the economic plight. But I'm, I'm arguing that that was caused by the Democrat Party. That was caused by, uh, by their policies that were put in either intentionally or unintentionally. But again, most of the churches are like, well, we need to do something about it. And we don't know what to do. And this is the only thing out there. And that's why, obviously, we came up with everyblm.com. Right. And we will actually come out there and we will actually talk to you and talk to about reconciliation uh, because we don't think that there are there is uh, that you can be a racist because there is only one race. It's the, the human, human race. race. We are all, <laughs> as I, I said it many a times, we are all sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. Amen. Right? And, and so, uh, but but there but there is infiltration and actually the, a friend of mine is making a movie on this. It's called Enemies Within the Church. And it's about the infiltration of critical race theory into the church. And it's going to come out next week and next month. And I was recommending you guys have Judd Saul oh, that, on your... Would that be Trevor Loudon? Loudon, yeah, Trevor Loudon. Yeah. Loudon, yeah. Okay, yeah. thanks. Yeah. 
I'm no good yeah, at pronouncing yeah. people's names, obviously. No, 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 that's right. Uh, he's from New Zealand, so, you know. That's New Zealand. Who, who, who are you suggesting we reach out to again, Pastor? Before well, but Trevor, at, Trevor, Loud, Trevor Loudon and Judd Saul. Yeah, those two people. Judd Saul. All right. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to catch that name before you were rudely interrupted by, by my co-host. <laughs> Believe it or not, Pastor, Ed and I love each other. We do. It's just. I, you know, you can tell. <laughs> well, uh, we're quick, question, uh, quick question, Pastor Rick. Is it, uh, is the, the uh, attraction to this, this, these movements like BLM by churches, is it because of prospects of raising revenue? Is, is that what the, because, I mean, it seems to me that there's such a gap in, in what should be a spiritual uh, tie between the two. It doesn't seem to be spiritual. It seems to be something else because uh, that uh, they reject all of the things that normal normally you would see churches trying to achieve. Was that go to ahead, me Pastor. or to... Uh... Yeah, go, go, <laughs> go ahead, Pastor Mamet, and then I'll, yeah. I'll respond after you're done. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, well, I, I mean, I want to give the pastors the benefit of the doubt. And I think they really do see, they want to reach out, they have compassion, they want to do something, but they're being fooled into it. So that's what I think is happening. Uh, and I, But yeah, there are there agents within the church that have ulterior motives, probably so. But I think the average pastor is just ignorant about this. They're ignorant well, about the true theology know, the, the true background of and Yeah, just to jump in, Phil, before you ask the next part of this. A lot of it also has to do, and I alluded to this earlier and a few weeks ago also, a lot of it has to do with their theology. You know, if you're post-mill, you feel it's your job to usher in Messiah and to make the world a better place before he comes back. And so you jump on these programs where you think it's going to be helping people and help lift them up and help create this equality within themselves because they don't believe in any depravity of mankind. And because of this, their theology, they'll reach out to these socialist programs. This is why the Catholic Church and the Lutheran Church grabbed a hold of socialism in Germany in the 1940s. They thought it was some way to help lift up the people. It's misguided. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not condoning what they did. I believe it was extremely misguided. But based on their theology, they thought and they think they're doing the right things. My bigger confusion is when you have pre-mill P-trib views and you still try to grab a hold of these socialists i that i have problems with <laughs> well the, the to me the, the contradiction between the two is so because um most religious organizations churches and whatever are not going to uh espouse something and tell you not not to uh to uh contradict it or even question it they 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 you know uh but in in the black lives matter if you say all lives matter then they have a problem with that with that uh, uh right you are a heretic within their faith when you say that <laughs> yeah it, it 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 just seems to me to be a a contradiction of of uh of uh, how you would exist or coexist with a with with a with a uh, organiza- with two organizations, but also think of the precedence this sets. This precedent says I can dis- I can discriminate based on color. So yeah, now the favored color <laughs> yeah. is 
African-Americans, black. Well, what yeah. happens if in a few years from now the favorite color becomes brown or becomes uh, Chinese or becomes Indian or becomes uh, white again, right? Then all of a sudden you've got a precedence in the law to discriminate based on color. How do you deal with that? And, and we know that a lot of times the law is based on precedence. I think it's very dangerous. Yeah. Me too. And, and, and to raise this question, and I've raised this question with other guests, and, and knowing that they're going to have a hard time finding an answer because there is not, is you you bring in critical race theory with the hope of making the races equal, right? When do you what happens when you reach that equality? When when you finally make them equal, do you stop the practice? Do you then bring it in as Pastor just said to another color? When does it when does it stop? When does it when, when, when do Jesus you comes say back. everything? <laughs> well, uh, the, the only yeah. the only. The only way possible is for people not to put so much uh, uh, reward in color. It's still, uh, as Martin Luther King said, it still should be content of character, not the color of the skin. Amen. 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 You know, as as you've got two pastors on the board today, and I think they'll tell you there is a color that mattered, and that was the color of the Lord's blood that He spilled Amen. for each and every one of us. But I want you to, you know, there, there's a there's a passage in, in the book of Acts, and it talks about a group of men that get together. And when you look at the body that's made up in that group of the men, you find you find men of different races, different ethnicities ethnicities, different original beliefs, but all coming together under Christ. In the church, what you find is everyone is working together for a common cause, regardless of race or ethnicity. I'm talking about Acts 13.1, where you, you see this all coming together and that all these people are working together for one common cause, and they're not bringing race or ethnicity into it. The, the, there is no, to quote the Bible, there is no Jew or, or Gentile in the church. And this is the way Christians are taught to teach and to believe is that yeah. we are all equal. Same so I straight, am yeah. very, I'm very passionate when I say all lives matter. I, when I say all lives matter, I include, I include black lives. I include yellow lives. I, I even include Ed, you know, all <laughs> lives matter. <laughs> Did but, you say uh, something? I wasn't listening. To, to, me, <laughs> to, to me, this is a, a contradiction. This whole this whole idea of of uh, critical. Uh, right. I mean, that just seems to me to be uh, opposite of what should be be taught in in a church, or should be. Uh, uh, that you could actually advocate from a position of power that somebody could be officially allowed to discriminate against somebody because of color. Now, you know, now go ahead. I just want I got I got to make this one little plug here. I've got to make this plug before the end of the show. Phil, you and I were talking, and you see this as, as a contradiction. I'm working on a documentary right now. It's called America. Just destruction by a common language. The way you look at words and the way I look at words is different than the way the younger people look at words. Words mean different things to the people, uh, the kids today. To you and I and to Pastor Mammon and to Ed, tolerance means one thing. To them, tolerance is something different. Racism mm -hmm. to us means one thing. To them, it's something different. We're saying the same words, but we're speaking a, a different language. It mm -hmm. sounds like a common language. But we're speaking different languages, and as long as we continue to speak different languages, the the 
division is going to grow stronger and stronger and stronger. And the way to deal with this is to try to educate. A a quick example uh, is what the governor said about the president. She said words matter. But the thing about it is what he said was he didn't know enough to make a, 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 oh, a decision we'll about that for that. next week yeah. about about Q, Q and A, uh, Pastor. Thank you for sticking on. Do you have any last words you want to share with us? Before yeah, we, well, uh, uh, please sign off. Yeah, please go to our website. Yeah, uh, everyblm.com and uh, or noblindfaith.com, and we will uh, would love to get in touch with you guys. But thank you uh, okay. for being for letting me be on and your show. And thank you, and thank yeah. you to the listeners. Love you all. This time for real. Goodbye. See you next week. You've been listening to a moment of clarity on Wham Talk 1600 with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Be sure to tune in again next week right here on Wham Radio 96.1.